Hi, I'm Danny. And I'm Demika. And we're biracial unicorns. We are just as confused as you are. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Demika? It, it's been not too not too bad. It's like fall has kind of come here with a vengeance. Like we had a really crazy long summer in England. I know, I know. From the desert, I really can't complain. But for the yeah, English, it's, it's English summer, actually <laughs> yes. summer, girl, you don't—they're suffering. You don't understand. Like they're used—they're <laughs> used to two <laughs> weeks of summer. Everyone was like a lobster the entire time, and there's no AC, and there's also no screens on the windows. So it was Lord of the Flies after a massive Gross. heat wave, girl. No, it's serious. It's a real thing. Like it—it it, it happened, and I'm not ashamed of it, but. That was, it was, it was our life. And are you excited? This is episode uno. Yes. First episode, first official episode. We've gotten some good feedback already, which yes. I wasn't expecting. But thank you, <laughs> everyone who like wrote in and sent us messages. And, and oh all my gosh. That. Yeah. You know, I was really shocked at the, the range because I had, you know, what I would consider to be young nowadays to people who you know like 60 plus writing and said that they they enjoyed it i'm like either we're doing something really great or really horrible and uh, i can't decide <laughs> and don't uh, be so ageist <laughs> i don't know i'm liking the arrange and thank you honestly for for all the support that that people have and because uh, that is encouraging because it can be a bit scary to put yourself out there but yeah now we're out there and you know it's your fault whatever happens so <laughs> just have to use our powers for good <laughs> no promises <laughs> well uh, we like to start off with a little bit of the news and because we're not not every single week we're thinking about every other week so far yes. so so you have to excuse us if what's not current to you is pretty current to us but we've got lives yeah <laughs> i'm over here in england so you always have to give me the what's in the news tap right i mean this isn't current breaking news by any means. I wanted to talk a little bit about the aftermath of our our newest Supreme Court justice. Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Brett. We're on first name right. basis. Um, <laughs> right. Girl, you, you know what's funny? Even just now, just trying to like refresh or, you know, get as much information. Like I said, it, it's so strange being, you know, across an ocean. He was what? It was October 6th where he was officially sworn in? Yeah, Was that's that right. Yeah. Um, so what ha- what has it been? What's today? It's been twenty the, days. Yeah, it's been twenty days, and uh, I must have scrolled several news pages to look a little bit more specific. Maybe get some more in depth highlights. I mean, I scrolled, 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 scrolled. Um, how is this old news? How am I scrolling all the way down? To find right. like a little tiny picture in the left-hand corner of this, like how is this not fresh? I, even that already was actually quite quite shocking to me already. Yeah, I will say, you know, we live in a fast-paced world and shit just moves on without us. Never have I experienced like, such a triggering chain of events in my life maybe we should also warn people if if that is an issue that i guess of of things of like sexual assault if that's going to be something that is triggering for you you know we're putting it out there yeah perhaps skip ahead 
we'll put some timestamps in the show notes so yeah you, know, you yeah. can skip ahead to the yeah, next yeah just thing. To, just to kind of be sensitive because some people can be quite raw about it but uh for those who don't know do you have like a really good kind of like quick little summary for those who might not be aware of what happened just kind of like a brief thing for the uh ford kavanaugh supreme court yeah yeah, Supreme I Court mean, debacle. <laughs> yeah, so he was nominated for the Supreme Court, and then allegations started coming out about his involvement in some um, sexual assaults over the years. The first being Dr. Ford, probably the most visible from an event in their high school years. She sent in a letter, and then it was leaked to the press, and you know all these things happened. She ended up testifying in person. It was a whole thing, whole yeah, very, very so. triggering thing that that day of work. And it led to, you know, a, a supposed investigation, which really was pretty minor because it happened in less than a week. Mm-hmm. Um, during the testimonies, hers and then his response, I actually listened to the whole thing. And it was just so upsetting. And, and, and yeah. I think my story is not unlike a lot of people's stories of... It just hit me really, really deeply. I spent the night essentially crying uh, oh. after after this whole thing, and I felt kind of silly about it. I'm not I'm not one who usually <laughs> feels such things, um, but it was <laughs> it was triggering. That, that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it was a, triggering for me yeah, for like personal reasons and also, you know, larger reasons of thinking about the world and the impact and, you know, this country that I'm living in that you're from and just yeah, exactly, exactly. It was it was probably not since um, it was actually funny of looking up stuff for the reminiscent of the 1991 Anita Hill case, which if you're, mm. if you're bored, please look that up because you will see some very creepy and disturbing parallels of his word against her word. And, you know, when we decided to kind of bring this up and talk about it, we're like, how do we do this in the aftermath of this, where it has already been decided he has the seat. I felt quite deeply as well. And there was uh, quite a few of my friends across the globe who it hit in the same way. Globally, a lot of people felt the same way. Yeah. And I, I perhaps was like, not a, aware that people were reacting so strongly in the moment when it was happening because I I mean I wasn't talking to people about my own feelings surprise surprise (laughs) but in the weeks that followed uh there just seemed to be this black cloud over so many people and so many women particularly in my life Mm -hmm. and you know you kind of poke at that cloud Mm -hmm. and you realize no we're all reacting to this and of course we are as women we tend to normalize a lot of those behaviors to have it normalized in such a public way nationally is just so disconcerting it, you know, it, it completely is. And I think when you know, we were, we were really kind to not a different spin, because this is not a, a hot topic, a new topic in, you know, quotation marks. So this in the aftermath, what what next? Because right. where we have a, a female population, who generally feels quite, quite depressed. And like I said, a lot of people it, it has brought some um, a triggering effect and has uh, put women in a very uh, tense and vulnerable state. I think there's also been a climate of men on a, a defensive 
fear response and to where we have this really gender kind of division of, well, what about innocent to proven guilty? This is what the evidence says, you know, the details. Because the thing we could sit here and say, we believe her, we believe him. And at this point in time, this particular conversation, that's actually really not the point. We both have feelings about it. And, and that's the main issue. It's feelings versus opinions. Because we have them both. And we're allowed to have them both because they are two different things. I um, First of all, Oxford Dictionary is so sketch. It is like, <laughs> it is savage. I do. I love reading the Oxford Dictionary because it doesn't care. It is so incredibly savage. Feelings they define of one of the many definitions of an idea or belief, especially a vague or irrational one. I love that. I'm like, Oxford, that is oh, so irrational. shady. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. It's so so shady. And then, then, then for opinions, an estimation of the quality of worth of something or someone. And this is not the first one. This is one of those, you know, several down where you actually have to really kind of try. But I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of feelings right now and, in, and for a while. And it's going to be quite tense. And I think for both of us, we want to urge people to not squander the opportunity. Right now, we're going to be throwing a lot of these opinions, which everyone's allowed to have them. And they're not all based on facts. But obviously, people are hurting and people are scared. It's a lot of secondary victimization that's happening right now, right? Yeah. So many people are being re-traumatized because of these behaviors. And it's damaging everyone's ability to recover. And it's damaging and compromising all of our psychological well-being to just pretend like it's not happening or it's happened 20 days ago so everything is all fine now is yeah it's completely ridiculous i just i don't know it's part of me wants to be an optimist even though that's not fundamentally who i am (laughs) (laughs) i'd like to think that this whole week of public anguish will mean like less private anguish in the future even though he got confirmed as a justice that doesn't mean that all of it was for naught right no this has been put out into the public and i've been seeing so many um statistics being one in six women is sexually assaulted Uh, that's a lot that is a lot I mean, you don't have to really be good at math. <laughs> Everyone knows more than six women, right? Yeah, even a hermit. Statistically, there's a good chance that someone you know has been sexually assaulted um, and people don't talk about it. I think some women have actually had a great a stink about this because they're thinking it puts women in a, a victim category, that it's a, a me too, it's a blanketed statement, and that's kind of it. And I think what this is the evolution of it. It's now a lot of people saying, yes, this has happened to me too. This is what's next. And I think that is what we're hoping for is like, this testimony happened. This incident happened. The me too situation has happened. So what is next? Our next thing is to come out of the, you know, the proverbial closet, I would say, and start talking about these experiences and start changing how we react to people talking about sexual assault. We have to stop change. We have to have to uh, have a change in the climate because if we keep continuing the way that we're going, we're like, well, why is it taking so long? I can't stand that that is one of the very first questions that we have because it, Totally. Do you know what I'm saying? They're yeah, just like, why? Yeah. Why? And we're wondering why. If you look at, like I said, if you go back and look at the Anita, uh, Anita Hill case, you look back and look at the Fort Kavanaugh case, this is why. 
this is why. And even a few other women who came forward to speak, you know, uh, against Kalvinoff talking about, well, yeah, now I'm definitely not going to come out. I saw how this woman was treated. And, you know, this is not anything new, unfortunately. No. And, uh, this is for protection. I mean, the first time that a woman testified to Congress about rape, about being raped, was in 1866. 1866. Dang. That's insane. Girl. Do you do you know this? The Memphis Massacre? Mm. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So basically, uh, for those of you who might not be as familiar with a lot of our sketchy U.S. history, in 1866, there were a group of white police officers in Memphis that destroyed several areas of the black community. So over the course of three days, I believe, 46 black people died, 280-ish people were injured, at least five women were raped by these white officers. Congress sent a delegation to do like an investigation about it. And five women testified to Congress about what had happened to them. And, and at this point in time, their rape wasn't even really considered a crime. Oh, no, because they were subhuman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so those those five women testified about what had happened to them. And it, it was so... The courage no. of those women to speak out and say those things. I feel like I need to need to say their names here. <laughs> like I need to like, you know, evoke them. Um what is it? No. Lucy Smith, Lucy Tibbs, um say it, girl. Harriet Armors, mm-hmm. Rebecca Ann Bloom, Frances Thompson. The five yes. women who testified to Congress. This is the crazy part, is that they did do it when it what first happened and where was the question then of why Why was it not approached right away? And what I hope that we can start doing now is that we have to start changing the climate for both. I I think that's the crazy part. This is for both sides of it, for for the male and and for female. And this is also for males also who've experienced sexual assault because it does happen on both sides. This is for protection for both sides to make sure that we create a place to where people have access to people to talk to and where their humanity and their character can be kept intact where facts yeah. are above all things and care for the individual is held above reputation. What we need to really do is just listen. When we hear people who want to be quite passionate, is the probably the best word, <laughs> passionate right. about this case on either side, you're going to hear me say it again and again. This is an opportunity to listen. Out of great anger actually is a great hurt behind it. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I think if we don't actually actually don't stop and say, what has been your experience? And you, this is going to be annoying because I'm going to say it a lot. When it happens to deal with gender and race and religion, you're going to hear people who are going to be, he was guilty. How can they not see that? Or she was sent up and hired by the Democratic Party, you know, all those things. But what we need to do, put our opinion to the side and see the person in the rawness of their feelings And it is one of the most deflating things when someone is sitting there in hurt and rage about a situation and you stop and ask them, what has been your experience? There's something that happens in their eyes when someone is sitting there, you know, uh, grieved over the situation on October 6th, when this man was accepted into this position. And it just seems like there is never going to get past any of the rage of what's going on. And they feel so defenseless and they feel so vulnerable and they feel so invisible for someone who 
might not not even understand what was going on in the case for just to be asked, what has been your personal experience? Because for some people, it is going to be, I know someone who was sexually assaulted, or I was sexually assaulted, or I'm actually really depressed on how our, our you know, our governmental systems are, are working. I don't feel right. I'm safe. screaming into a void and no one's listening. Exactly, exactly. We have a lot of power right now into listening to each other. And and I think that's what we want to encourage with this by with this case. We're like, let's talk about this this case right now by not talking about it. I don't want to talk about the facts. I don't want to dissect their testimony. What I want to talk about is the aftermath, the people laying in waste who are still dealing and, and grieving and trying to figure out mm-hmm. and who are even pissed off. For some people have been like, you know, I, I'm for him. I, I supported him. And why aren't people listening to me? Why can't people see that? I'm like, okay, tell me your experience. Why do you believe him? Even if it angers me, because we both have feelings. You're a person with feelings. I want to hear your experience. I want to understand because that actually might affect my opinion because they're two different things. Right. I I have such mixed feelings about this, Amika. Because <laughs> <laughs> on one hand, I logically really want to agree with you. But on the other hand, I just don't want to create that space. But I agree. I think having real conversations is important. And sharing your feelings is important. But sometimes it's really hard to turn off your emotional reaction to those things, right? Like you can't help but feel kind of subhuman in the fact that there's women who are not having other women's backs just like breaks my heart. Right now I need to desperately understand because if I can understand the motives, I want to be able to break that down. What in you, it can't just be such an alliance with a party. It just can't be that. I have to know, is it because you fear that could be you one day? And if that's true, do you admit behavior? Have you done something like this before? You know what I mean? Like, can I get to that point where I can try to break through that barrier of your world to where you think nothing of this is really real and she was really mistaken? And, you know, there has to be an explanation. The whole Democrat conspiracy of she was yeah, hired. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever. if you really, really believe that, what would actually... What has clouded your, in my opinion, this what my opinion, not feeling, in my opinion, like, how could you swallow a pill that size? What in your life, what experience have you had to where the distrust of the Democratic Party? Was this something you were raised with? Is this something you've actually done research with? Because let me tell you, and this is for both sides, but I have experienced personally more with people who've grown up conservative, grew up this way, and this is how they were born. This is what they were raised into. And as they got a little bit older, especially they gone off to college, they met people who are different because diversity rocks. Um, yes. They... You know, they, they got out and met people who were different than them, did a little bit of research about what technically the conservative party would be and believe in. They're like, oh, wow, I actually don't believe in that or I actually don't in, I don't believe in this candidate. And they had to start thinking, OK, well, where does that put me? Do you know what I mean? And I'm being mm-hmm. allowed to have that space and time. And I've, I've heard that situation several times. And I grew up fairly liberal. But even for me, I'm like, OK, I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that. But I had to do the work myself. You know, you have to do the work. You just can't rely on. 
You have to do the work. Don't just go with the flow. Make intentional choices for intentional reasons. Like, exactly. I have more respect for somebody who makes an intentional choice for an intentional reason, even if I disagree with it. Exactly. To a certain extent. <laughs> Once it starts being not thinking of me as a human being, all respect has gone out the window, obviously. <laughs> So I think that's my problem with a lot of this is, to me, it feels like it's it's kind of a big women are subhuman. Well, still, I think conversations really are important. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe it's too fresh. It's maybe still, that's part I still, of it. I still feel like it is actually still quite fresh. And I think we're still... For, for me, I will never stop looking for facts because I do believe like my opinion on, on the case is, like I said, at this point in time really not relevant to the outcome so far I right. do I do have that right. because as a woman like I said I was triggered that was very very painful but as a person who desperately wants to believe in our system like I I'm rooting for it I want it to work but I'm really encouraging people if you don't know what to do even with just hearing what you know what, what Annie was talking about what, with the massacre and it, it, it can feel quite heavy you know, reach out and, and talk to people about this. If you've had this experience, I would want to hear them. You tell me about your experience. Put the microphone up to your lips. Do not be silent about these things. I, mm -hmm. I want to care yeah. for you as a person. And I want people to start learning how to be able to talk about sexual assault and still maintain your reputation and not be nitpicked to death. But we have to learn how to do that. And the right. only way we're going to learn how to do that if we start sharing. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's, totally. We have to start it because we that's the only way we're going to learn how to take it. Because I can't tell you how many times people, yeah. you know, I've, I've led like women's group and mentorship and even like things like Bible study, which are very intimate. It's a finally a place to where women can kind of let go and talk about, you know, I've had this happen to me. And being in a very intimate setting with women we have been meeting for for seven to 10 weeks. And people being honest, being like, I don't know how to take that. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But the only way we're ever going to learn is if we start hearing. We have to start hearing your story. I really encourage you, men, women, if you have had this experience, say your truth, say your story. I'm listening. More people than you know are, are listening. We have to start learning how to respond to people who have had this experience. Yeah. And here's the thing, and, and this is going to sound more divisive than I intend, but I'll say it anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> men will always have other men's backs. Like, if nothing else, that is what, what this has shown me, right? Mm -hmm. Men have other men's backs. So women have to have each other's backs. Mm -hmm. Like, we have to. And yes, we need male allies for real change to happen in this world, mm -hmm. right? And women have always been the first point of support for these sorts of things. Women have created all of the major institutions yes. for rape crisis or sexual assault. Women have created these institutions. Quick shout out to Rosa Parks mm. because she was such a boss and she gets <laughs> written into history as just, oh, she was tired. So she's oh, sat I know. on the bus. Don't, don't get me started. That's a conversation, <laughs> girl. That is a whole other podcast. She was a sexual assault investigator for the NAACP when there was no institutions doing this work, right? She was supporting women. And so we all have to support each other. Mm -hmm. And so we got to make that space. Gotta 
to make that space to hear other people's stories, have to be vulnerable enough to put our own stories and our own selves out there. Because this has also taught me that like so many women are dealing with the same things, but we've been conditioned by society to not talk about these things and to normalize these things and to just let them happen and write them off as, you know, well, that's the way it is. The time has come that you cannot be silent anymore, right? You have to do something or the hopelessness will totally (laughs) paralyze you. It will. So I think, yeah, talking about is about it is important. Americans vote in the midterm elections. It is so important. For women who have color, you don't get to not vote. I'm sorry. I'm very rarely a very blanketed statement person. I'm a very much like, let's hear both sides and everyone gets to feel they want to feel. Nope, this is not the one. Vote, vote, vote. What is it going to take out of your day? Come on, you spend longer in Zumba, you know what I mean, than you can... Filling off your vote. You're like, okay, I don't know about the candidate. Guess what? There are people out there who have no other lives than to make YouTube channels updating you about candidates and updating websites. They've dedicated their lives to this, so you don't have to. Come on now. The League of Women Voters, Mm. they have such an excellent voting guide. They will give you a breakdown of what is on your particular ballot based off of your your address. You can go to their website and read about stances that all the candidates have on various issues. Mm. And they make it so easy. Just do it. Just vote. You know, we could probably stay here all day and talk about opinions versus feelings and experiences to the cows come home. But let's jump into the meat. We have a question to answer. We do. I'm really excited about this question. This question was one of the very first questions that was ever given to me. A year ago, in all of my wisdom and bright ideas, I thought it'd be a fantastic idea to open myself up to the world of Facebook and ask, hey, Facebook, are there any questions you have ever wanted to ask a Black person? And, you know, I I really was prepared for the absolute worst. And I was like, all right, if you wanted to unfriend some people, D'Amika, this is the way to do it. And the first day, I didn't really get a lot of feedback, maybe like a thumbs up, which let me tell you that that is not hopeful. But within 48 hours, I was pleasantly, pleasantly, yeah, I'm going to (laughs) go with pleasantly. I was pleasantly surprised at the response. I had people from all across this world, ages, backgrounds, asking questions. And I was actually shockingly encouraged by this. This question I'm going to read today uh, was the very first one. And it was given to me by a really good friend of mine. And I... I I love this question. I'm going to tell you why. It is incredibly honest. Yeah. It's incredibly vulnerable and it's incredibly open. This right here actually gives me a lot of hope. This question here actually made me want to do something like this, like a podcast, because I thought if we can actually have people ask questions like this in this manner, and I can hopefully answer it in a way that's encouraging and respectful then, you know, there, there actually might be a little bit of hope in this world. I think I sound a little too hopeful there. Anyway, here's the question. Here, it is a very long question. We're just going to take a little section of it. How do I make intentional relationships with POC, people of color, that aren't in my circle of influence currently? How do I start to find common ground without saying something stupid like, so what did you think about Black Panther? 
I mean, I feel like you should start every conversation with how did you feel about Black Panther? Because I think that's going to determine how I feel about you. Uh, yes. And, and also, yes, because um, if you don't like Black Panther, we 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 already have bad blood. Like, I hate to quote right. Taylor Swift in any any form whatsoever. <laughs> don't. I, this don't. One, that'll be my one and only. I guarantee it. But I, I, I really do feel like that kind of sets the whole tone. But I mean, we can get into the whole yeah. Marvel versus DC. I don't know how this relationship is going to work out. But but here's the thing is what I was going to say is I'm not even into all these superhero movies or most of the superhero stuff. But Black Panther, man, yes. did I fucking love that movie, <laughs> even though I'm not into superheroes. It was one of those movies like I just like, please, please let it be good. Please let it be good. Like my soul could not take it being bad. I just right. needed to. I needed to be elegant. I needed to be have depth. I needed to be fun. I needed to be fantastical, but also slightly possible. I needed it to be all these things, and it did not disappoint. And from the range of actors to plot, costuming, length of movie, which is very important to me, I was so... I was excited. I know some people uh, you know, of color were like, eh, it wasn't all that. But the thing is, I'm to the point where I will... Um, I will take anything I can get that's somewhat decent. When you've had really bad McDonald's fries and someone wants to finally give you like a steak burger, it could not even be that good. But you'll take it because you've had crap for so long. And that was a really bad food analogy. But I'm going to just use it. I knew I was going to love it before I saw it just because I was so excited about the cast and the team and everyone. It's like Crazy Rich Asians. I was also like just so excited about it. But I think in both cases, they were both good movies. Mm. They were just enjoyable to watch. And it just proves, you know, you don't need a cast of all white people to make a relatable movie. Like I am not black or Asian, but just seeing that representation on screen like meant so much to me as somebody who is also an other. Mm, yes. I, I really liked it. Like I said, there's a, there was a pastor that said that it kind of restored black dignity. And some people say that's a lot of weight to give to a movie, but it kind of did. It made us look very Royal. I mean, we've talked about this before when teaching black history that if it's even taught in school, it starts at slavery and you right. know, in, in America, it starts there. And it's like, it, uh, it does really start there does it but but there it kind of contextualizes it and, and give this beautiful world where there's actually richness and, and depth and you didn't have to lose yourself it played many many roles and it, i think it, it's going to be a very important movie for a very very long time and so if you want to bring that up to somebody as long as you're, you're yeah this is getting back to the question i know thank you <laughs> if you're an anglo-saxon just kidding if you're a white person and you're going up to you know, a person of color and you're like black panther Mm, good movie. Can we not be vague? I think that's all I asked for. Just, just, just don't be vague. What did you think about the makeup? Uh, how was the acting? I know, you know, be a little bit more like, hey, what did you think about it? Instead of being like, good movie, because there's black people in it. And you, you're, you look black. Just don't be vague. I think that's all I asked for. If you want to bring it up, don't be vague. It's all about intention. And I think that's what we're going to talk about a lot in this particular question, because she says, how do I make intentional relationships with people of color? So, Danny, how do you do it? I love that she asked this, for one, because it's 
really important to diversify your friend group as much as you can, right? It goes back to what I was saying last time and what I will continue to say. The importance of putting yourself out there in different groups, right? Exposing yourself to different perspectives. It makes you just a more fully developed human being. It's so important. And really, interracial friendships are important because they create those opportunities to transcend ignorance and bigotry and all that stuff, which is due to lack of exposure. It does, if you let it. Also, something else that I really respect about this question is the acknowledgement of friendships are not colorblind. (laughs) Like, colorblind friendships really only exist for white people, (laughs) like, to to be frank. I want to put this situation, like, I want to put, like, the whole colorblind conversation on a shelf because it is so yeah. rich. Like, honestly, we could sit there and talk about that all day because, uh, for me, it's actually a point of rage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. have, it is a point of rage for me. It, it's one of those situations, it sounds beautiful, but it, it's actually, it's cloaked in cowardice. But, oh, sorry. Oh, that was, like, a little bit of the rage kind of squeaked out there. It's, it's one of those things of you're not self-righteous, you're... You're missing the point. But with this question, what I even loved about, you know, how finding common ground, this is once again, opinions. And if you didn't listen to that first bit, opinions and feelings, we're allowed to have both. My opinion is common ground is overrated. It is really overrated. We have common ground because we live in a world where we find comfort in people who have uh, similarities to us. Comfort is something that's so dangerous to our own growth. Do you know what I mean? We we find people who act like us, look like us, are in the same activities. We base a lot of our friendships over proximity. And uh, even then, you know, prepping for this question, Danny, I was so shocked, but not shocked at, you know, the scholarly journals, the TED Talks, the YouTube videos, the articles I was reading about friendship in general. So before we continue with this question, for it to even kind of work, let's just pretend that you as a listener and you and I, let's just pretend that we're actually decent at making friends. Because let me just tell you people, loneliness is an epidemic. We're both older and I want to give we're hope not to older. I said we're we're old. We're, sl- we're we have gotten. We're a little bit more mature. We're both over thirty. What I want to tell people is that it doesn't. To me, I don't feel like it gets easier as we progress and we have more responsibilities. No, it gets more difficult. It does. It really, really does. So, for the sake of this question and this conversation, because we're going to try to do talking about friendships and making friends in separate parts, because it's. It's too complicated. It's just too messy to kind of tie up in a little bow. Am yeah, I right? So let's, yeah, let's talk about making friendships to start with. Do you know how old this person is? I think you do. Yeah, she's, she's mid-30s. She's not much okay. older than we are. We were saying it's more difficult to make friends the older that you get. I think there's some universals about making friends regardless of mm-hmm. race. And I think when the easiest time... And maybe for some of us, it wasn't as easy. (laughs) The easiest Mm -hmm. time to make friends is high school. And that's because your teens, particularly in that institutional setting where you're seeing the same people every day or Mm -hmm. several times a week, because I think for a real, truly deep relationship to form, you need that interaction, right? It's a number of hours and it's just logging those hours until you're comfortable with each other and the depth comes naturally. And we don't really have that 
privilege when we're over 30 and we have families and careers and a million things happening. It's hard to log those hours to create new friendships. So you have to find something really meaningful to connect with the other person. So I think going back to Black Panther. Um, at no. least that's like a, a touchstone. It's a touchstone. Yeah. It's like something that you can have in common. And while it is important to find people who have a lot of differences from your to really diversify your experience and, and your understanding of the world, I think it's near impossible to create a relationship with somebody who you don't have something in common with. That's true. That's totally true. Yeah, there has to be something, an interest, a hobby, It doesn't mean that they have to look like you and have the same experiences as you or think like you, but you do need to have something in common. So finding that thing that you have in common, I think, is step one for creating that relationship. Well, well, it's a really thing of proximity versus experiences. I think a lot of us, especially growing up, we had friendships based upon proximity and they were kind of just built in. You know, I, I think of even some like my oldest friends, like you and I, like I love you to death, but we became friends over proximity. And now that we're older, it's our experiences that bond us because we could have been like, yes. oh yeah, Danny's, you know, we went and we young, we did, we did a thing. We were, we were both in theater. So we were around each other. I mean, a lot, a lot of hours, but now as we've yeah. grown up, it's our experiences that keep us together. One of my oldest, oldest friends guy, he, um, we were proximity. We did choir, the same thing. And then it was life and experiences that actually have kept us friends. And we have that. And when thinking about common ground, the reason why I think it is a bit overrated is because I'm going to get real sad. Us not being human, is that not common ground? Figuring out how to make friends is that loneliness is an epidemic. We are a lot of people feel really lonely. And I don't even know if a lot of us can admit to ourselves or like we're really bad at making friends and You know, we've got so much going on. And even if we have friends per se, do we really have someone we can be vulnerable and real with, especially in a technology standpoint? Because honestly, women who wear purple and eat only cabbage can find a Facebook group and find something in common with somebody in the world. That's that's the vein of the existence of it. But to have somebody you can actually be vulnerable with and real with and do life with it. It can be time consuming. It can be uncomfortable. It can be messy. And I think we have to allow ourselves to realize that when we have decided, yep, I'm pursuing friendship because that has to be a conscious thing, right? You know, most of us, especially like at a certain point in our life, it can't be like, oh, we just became friends and we just clicked. It's like, I'm going to be intentional with this person. At least I hope you should. Yeah, I think that's true to a certain extent. Most of my close friendships, oddly enough, have started with it's someone, usually the other person, explicitly saying they wanted to be close friends. So I yeah. think that that's another track depending on personality because I really value honesty and frankness. That's like really important traits for me and other people. So when somebody is, Danny, I think we would be good friends. Let's be friends. That's like the biggest friendship turn on for me. <laughs> it's like yeah, someone just right. saying that. <laughs> you're old school. You're like you're like playground rules of being like you. 
yeah, <laughs> we're gonna be friends. You know what I mean? Like that. That's. Uh, but there's something about that of just being honest. And I, I think, especially, I think women struggle in different ways than than men do. Like I really agree for men relationships. Like that's a whole other kettle of fish. But for women, we have all these other layers: jealousy and hypocrisy. And then you want to add race? Come on! Like I was reading this question, and I'm like, my gosh, it's hard enough just to make friends because when you have someone who comes from a different racial background than you, or even religion or even social, you are going to get all that person's baggage, whether you want it or not. It just came. It's like being in a real relationship. You know, you're going to get that person's baggage and it will spring up in the most random ways. Like if you talked about Black Panther, you're sitting there thinking you're doing okay. And then all of a sudden you think you say it's overrated. And you didn't just say a movie was overrated to a person of color. You have said who I am. You have insulted the core of my being. And all of a sudden now you got beef and now they're they're ghosting you. You don't know why. And it's pettiness and you're avoiding it. Now you can't go to that IHOP anymore. If I was sitting right in front of the person who gave us the question, this is what I would tell them to hopefully encourage them. Do you remember when we were little kids, they were trying to teach us how to cross the street? Do you remember that? It was because I stop, look, listen. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, I do vaguely. It was like oh, it was that. a whole. There was like a really bad rap song that went to it that was borderline offensive. Do you remember? Oh, that? I mean, early '90s were all about bad rap songs. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the thing is, we learned how to brush our teeth, eat our vegetables, and cross the street. Do the really bad yeah. rap. Um, but I did steal it blatantly, so I'm pretty sure I'll be getting a summons. Stop, look, and listen. So for me, when you're thinking about and, and desiring this, stop. Like, look around your surroundings. Some of us are going to be in an area, like myself, right now, I live in the country part of England. There are different beautiful international group of people. But when I looked at the census and when I looked at geographically what's around me, numbers, they're not in my favor of meeting a lot of black people. They're just not. I would have to, like I said, I would have to start like a program, a, a Facebook in order, and that would be a whole thing. I would just say, stop, look at your surroundings. Some people beat themselves up, which is so oddly beautiful that they're like, I don't have any, what is wrong with me? And what's going on? I need this in my life. And to you, I do salute you. But I also want to tell you, relax a little relax. It is just not in your surroundings, you know, so to stop, stop and just look, take a couple of minutes, even see what's out there. Some people have pockets of their town. New Mexico is really great because I actually lived in the international district. So we had, you know, a really huge influx of Vietnamese living in my neighborhood in New Mexico. It was so cool. It was so beautiful. But you can try to find these pockets if they are there and see if they have local events, you know, so there's the, the stop kind of reassess and and what you're going on. And so that look, the same thing. So if that's what you are, if there is diversity around you, look around. What's going on? Here they had a festival of people from East India and they had food and dance and storytelling and, you know, kind of put yourself out there. Look around at what's going on. Other activities and things you can even be a part of and group. I know this is going to be very stir the pot, but I remember in college, I don't know if you ever noticed, there's a lot of white girls in African dance. I don't, that that's yes. a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, let's just say it. There's a lot. There are a couple girls with dreads. Power to you. There's a lot of white girls who take African dance. I don't know the motivation. It's a beautiful dance form. I think it's really great. But even just being in that environment, they're around people who wanted to learn as well, who actually might have people of color and mixed backgrounds. So look around you, see what's involved, and then listen. 
I think when you are going to be around people of different backgrounds than yourself, that's going to be a very valuable tool, listening and and hearing their experiences and not kind of get caught up on, wow, we are so different. For for my friend, I know for a fact, you know, she's a mother and she's a wife. And if she meets other people, been like, you know, you're a human being. You're married. Isn't marriage ridiculous? Oh, you've got kids. I haven't slept since my kids were born. You know, like the common ground, we're looking for something even bigger. Style of and music and movies and sports instead of being like, isn't a human being hard? Yeah, totally being human's hard. Start somewhere. Give yourself a break. There's no shame in complimenting someone's appearance. Like I know this sounds but there's like no shame in doing that as a means of starting a conversation. And I say this as one of the most antisocial people on the planet. Mm. People will often compliment my appearance and like if I'm feeling it, I'll let a conversation happen. But if I'm not like, (laughs) oh, you know, say thanks and then awkwardly walk away. Uh (laughs) Thank you, peasant. Your compliment has pleased me. We may be friends now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Maybe it didn't come off a little that way. But you know you're allowed. You're 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 allowed. I I don't mind a comp. Who honestly can anyone sit there and been like, oh yeah, this person complimented me, weirdo. Secretly you're grinning. Don't linger on the compliment, but like, right? Give don't them out. be a creep about it. But you can compliment somebody. Yeah, but we can't teach you the difference. That's that's your problem, not our problem. Yeah, I think you're right though. What you were saying earlier about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Your first your first test in friendship is making yourself vulnerable enough to even start down that path. So putting yourself out there in that way, knowing that maybe you'll get rejected is is fine. Like that's a way to start, yeah. right? Yeah, you have to have a bit of tougher skin and, and with those and realizing that there are, there are going to be speed bumps when you have people, especially with r- racial differences. But let me tell you, it is so rich. One of my favorite Thanksgivings, you know, because I, you know, a military background, um, we're all nomadic and we all, we, none of us are where we are from. And one of my favorite ones is when we had people from Hawaii and, and Polynesia and from Texas. And we had people from all over the world in general, the, the Dominican. And my table did not look any traditional. But it was so beautiful and everyone had a story and everyone had a background, but we all had something in common. We were missing home. We were all displaced and we were trying to do this life together. One of my favorite Thanksgivings was that way too. It was when I was in grad school because we were in Hawaii. We're all basically trapped on an island that's too expensive to get off of for holidays. (laughs) So uh, there was something really nice about sharing holidays with Lots of people who are from different places. Just that connection of, yes, we're all very different. We all have very different life experiences. But here we are in this moment is really nice. It's so, so beautiful. So I I really encourage you. If this is something that you want to do or it's something that's kind of like, how do I – I have a couple of friends who are photographers who are like, how do I get diversity in my portfolio? I'm like, well, you should probably befriend and put yourself out there. You need to stop, look, listen. Cheesy, effective. That's my answer. But that is, this is for my beautiful friend. Thank you again for writing that gorgeous question. But I think yes. real quick, I want to direct to the people of color as a mixed person in friendship. I think we were just, we touched based on this ever so slightly before we recorded about yeah. being mixed. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm ramping, I'm ramping up. And this is, I think we both feel this very deeply. Mm-hmm. My whole life, I have always been too white to be black, too black to be white. Yes, it's like the quote from the Selena movie. Yeah, of like you have to be, <laughs> and I know this because uh, so it was recently 
referenced in a show that I was in. Um, but it's like, you know, you have to you're you're never Mexican enough for the Mexicans and you're never American enough for the Americans. But it's that same sort of idea is somebody who's from different worlds. Right. Like I'm that same way in my group of Latino friends. I'm always the white girl. And then in my group of white friends, I'm always the brown girl. So it's like I'm I'm forever the outsider and never you know, white enough to be white, brown enough to be brown. It's uh, it's one of the things I, I'm not here to throw a pity party because the thing is I, I had that mentality for a long time where you're wondering, what is my identity? Where you kind of sit there and uh, you feel a bit lost. Like even just recently, I was telling, I was telling you, Danny, like, I felt like I wasn't black enough to have certain hairstyles because I felt that they would feel like, what's wrong with you? You don't like your good hair? With your nice bouncy curls, what you doing? You know, it, it has that yeah. that kind of mentality to it. But realizing just who you are, comfort. I I have seen people try to put themselves out there and diversify their friends list, for lack of a better word. Well, people of color, we need to a have a little bit of grace. They may say something that offends you. You need to correct and love, but also what for for like I said, for people of myself, we need to uh, stop separating ourselves in, in our own friendship. I think it's something that is incredibly damaging within mm. within friendships and just within a culture as well. Um, white friends, I love you. Um, I, I can't be your spokesperson for blackdom. Yeah, I can't. I can't because right. I'm, mean, I'm, I'm that's not. True. And that's true for anything, right? You can't mm-hmm. you can't rely on one person to be the token, to be the representative. Yeah, that's not especially fair. I'm a really bad representative, guys. I'm 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 kind of awful, but I'm okay with that because the thing is, I hate to disappoint for people. Been like, you know, I got that. I got a black friend. I can't be your safety net because I'm not. I'm a mixed person. It's on all the documentation that I own because they make you put these things. But <laughs> this is that's who I am, and even black people as well. Of course, I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm I'm mixed, and you know, even though the world would look upon look upon my skin and say, "Oh, that's a, you know, a black woman," I'm I'm not black people. We got to cut each other uh, a little bit of slack if we don't necessarily fit into the direct mold. We are really hard on each other, and like I said, that's a, also a topic for a whole other day. But when we're talking about friendships. We need to be able to make sure. I think the world can be quite hard, and we naturally want to gravitate ourselves to what is comfort. And people who are like-minded and have similar experiences. And that's fine to a certain extent, right? We're not by any means saying only have friendships that are hard. <laughs> um, because that is not <laughs> a healthy way to live your life either. It's not? It's not. It turns out making your life harder than it needs to be is not healthy. <laughs> I, I think being chubby and, and brown is hard enough. I don't need any <laughs> other reasons for it to be hard. I'm short, chubby, and brown. I've got a whole list of issues. Be loving and understand where the other person is coming from and be human, be human. Let's have give and take or, you know, I have there's a couple of friendships I have where it is incredibly open and we have safety and we rag on each other and we're very aware of the differences that we have and how complicated it is. And it makes for a beautiful friendship when you can actually call each other out like, Demika, are you going to be on time? I know. You know, I'm like, really? Because a white portion of me is incredibly punctual. So I don't, I don't. (laughs) But but having that freedom and friendship is so beautiful. That takes time. Sidebar, 
you don't get that right away. I'm just letting you all know. Just there's safety yes, in that. Please don't be be creepy and think that you're best friends right away because you had one conversation with somebody, regardless of race. That's the best yeah. way to destroy <laughs> destroy a friendship in the making. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes shared experience. It, it takes vulnerability. It takes all of those things. Mm-hmm. It does. We we should probably stop there because I don't feel like we're helping anymore. I feel like we have set up a lot of white people to fail. But also, people of color, do your part in saving the world, too, and go out and get some white friends. Diversify yeah, your and, friend groups, yeah, too. Exactly. Be kind and, and be gracious and be yourself. Never dull down. Never water down who you are. But just be gracious that some people, they're, they're going to say something off color. Ha, ha, ha pun um they're gonna say things that are there might kind of rub you the wrong way correct in love and move forward don't let it linger don't make it weird like i said for i think for you and i who've kind of get to play on the fence and get to kind of ref and see it from both points of view we are all trying what's that commonality that we have is that life is hard and friendships are hard and they're not getting any easier and the world is incredibly lonely and don't forget Your friendships are with individuals. They're not with groups. White people are not a monolith. People of color are not a monolith. Both of those big terms are encompassing so many different people with so many different experiences and, and everything that they're bringing to the table. So just because you have one Black friend doesn't mean you understand the Black experience, right? What? Yes. Yeah, it turns out. It turns out. And consider, keep in mind, even with your close friends, how how much do you really understand their experiences and what they're going through? You do to a certain extent, but can never fully understand someone's experience. And quite often... People will do offensive things to their friends, right? And and I'm talking a lot about white people and people of color. And sometimes it's not comfortable to call them out on their shit. White fragility is a real thing. And like, if you don't know the extent of somebody's white fragility, you don't want to feel like you're attacking your friend and then your friend's going to attack you back. So a lot of times myself personally, I'll let microaggressions slide because it's not worth. Yeah. Someone called my hair nappy. And the thing is, I knew this person's heart and their intention. Was I in an inside rage? Of course. But it's it's one of those things of like, my gosh, especially it was in a very public setting. I'm like, for me to pop off at them, what would this do? I would just end up looking like the angry black girl. And this would not this would not improve. It was later, many, 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 many weeks later. I'm like, yeah, in actually another conversation where I said that word was actually to me, I wasn't a big fan of it. And they actually recalled saying that. And, you know, then we actually had to have a really great conversation about it, to which I was like, yeah, that was awful. And, yeah, please don't ever do that again because I will not be gracious the second time around because now you know better. I wish it really was easy, but it it really isn't. And I am trying to package that question up together as much as humanly possible. But we, we both have our part to play and we both have a lot of work to do. I, I that's all I think I have for that for that particular question. Treat people well, have good intentions, also make yourself vulnerable and understand where people are coming from, I guess, or, oh, or my big totally. takeaways from it. This is literally just like part one of a very long stick because you it it can't just end here. You know? Yeah, and I mean, and we we talked about off air a little bit too, diversifying your friend group 
involves not just race, right? There are so many different aspects of the human experience. Want to talk about gender and talk about class Mm. and talk about, you know, ability and and sexuality, all these things. You should diversify your friend group regarding all of these things. And it's, (laughs) it's a lot. It's a lot to talk about. Let's leave it there for now. I think that's great. Should we talk about our happy place? Oh my gosh, let's talk about our happy place. <laughs> you need those. Like throughout throughout our weeks and our time apart, we need to have a little nuggets of joy. You need tiny victories throughout your week just to get you through. Tell me about your happy place for the week. Girl, my happy place right now is layering. How basic am I? I is layering. No, I know it's going to make me sound so, so basic. I love that the weather is cold enough, especially here, that I can wear a big sweater, a big scarf and a puffy jacket. As someone who is self-conscious about their shape, I love that no one knows what shape I am. We are all blobs walking around. It doesn't matter. You could have a six pack or you could have a front butt. It doesn't matter. I love blob weather. We are all beautiful blobs with gorgeous fall colors. And that is what is making me happy. I'm like, guess what? No one gets to know my mom shape because I've got layering. Done. Happy. (laughs) (laughs) What is yours? I tend to think of myself as a creator. But I'm a consumer in a lot of my relaxation, as is most people. Uh, so, so my happy place at the moment is the new Sabrina show on is Netflix. It good? Oh my gosh! So I watched the first two episodes, and I love it. Here's something about me, though: is my guilty pleasure. I don't really believe in guilty pleasure, so I guess I should just say my pleasure. I really enjoy. <laughs> teen dramas (laughs) because I don't know. You're in a safe place, Danny. Teen dramas are almost always the same sort of white characters we've seen again and again. And yes, Sabrina is played by a blonde girl and her boyfriend Harvey is also a white guy, but it is a pretty diverse cast otherwise, which I love. Me and my husband were watching it and he turns and looks at me and he's like, oh my gosh, I love all the people of color in this. And if my (laughs) husband is saying that, like you can imagine all of the feels that I have during that because it's like ramped up by 10. Um, So like the design, (laughs) the design is beautiful. It's a lot of teen drama. It's slightly spooky, not really that scary. There's a black cat. Um, I'm also I also just really like I like Sabrina and I like the Archie universe, which is perhaps the most white thing about me. And you know what? (laughs) Name it and claim it. That's what they say. Like, you know, old school Baptist name it and claim it. Just own up to it. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Two episodes in eight episodes to go. They're shooting season two right now. Can't wait for all of it. Yes, let's do it. All right. So that's it for this episode. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram or on both of those things as Biracial Unicorns. We're on all of the major podcasting platforms now. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Thank you. All the things. Find us where you find all of your podcasts. If for some reason we're not up there, um, shoot us a line at biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also send us your questions or your comments or things that you would like us to cover. You may have noticed our beautiful, beautiful artwork and our beautiful, beautiful music. So we want to give a shout out to to those artists. Joseph Scott is the one who made our music. And what's the name of the young lady who did our art? Because you know her personally. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, so Rosie from Dolly Pop Art designed our logo. She's amazing. Yes. You can follow her. I'll include her Instagram handle in our show notes if you want to check out her yes, work. Yes. And I'll have to ask, uh, so it'll be Joseph Scott. He's actually a lead singer of uh, Citizens of Tape City. They should be having an album coming out, gosh, I think middle of November. It is amazingly undescribable. You can't put it in a box. You can't set it into a genre. It is so much fun. It is so fresh. They're up and coming. It, they're hot. Hot, hot, hot. I can't. I'm so I didn't excited. even realize that that was the band that he was in. I know the basis know that? for that plan. Yeah, yeah, because he went to high school with us. Yeah, because it's a tiny, tiny world. Yeah, that's it is his a band. tiny, tiny world. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, the yep. bassist. We went to middle school together, also. So I've known oh, him seriously? forever. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep, that's the band. Cool. I know your mind's blown. I know. I just. I don't know why I'm continually surprised about how small this world is but it always catches me <laughs> off guard that's awesome yeah so i guess that's it we'll be back in a couple yep. of weeks uh with some more stuff mm-hmm. we've had fun i yeah. hope you did i mean totally we did have fun covered some stuff please make sure you go vote that's the big takeaway this week go yes. vote if you vote. can vote vote all right vote that's it peace out out